Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, August 26, 2018. The share IDs for Friday, August 24th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 11831. Again, 11831. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 11832. 11832. This morning, A Vision for You presents Staying in Fit Spiritual Condition. What exactly is fit spiritual condition? What is spiritual fitness? How can we achieve it? What must we do to maintain it? Fit spiritual condition might be defined at its most basic level as freedom from the mental obsession to compulsively overeat as a result of working the 12 steps. It is one of the 10th step promises as outlined in the big book where we are told that we will, quote, cease fighting anything or every, anyone, even alcohol, end of quote. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We are also promised that we will no longer find the thought of compulsive overeating tempting and that this new ability to react sanely and normally will come to us without any thought or effort on our part. The mental obsession has been removed. All of these promises, however, are contingent upon our remaining in fit spiritual condition. So how do we achieve and maintain that spiritual fitness? By practicing the principles of the 12 steps. That is to say, by admitting our own powerlessness over food, by asking for and accepting help from a power greater than ourselves, and by taking the necessary actions whereby we can forge a connection with that power. And we must put these principles to work, not just within our recovery fellowship, but in all areas of our life, at work, at school, and with family and friends. That is how we grow and maintain spiritual fitness. Of course, spiritual fitness cannot be achieved overnight, nor can it be gained through observation, planning, or good intentions It requires deliberate, conscious action, and it is something we must continually improve on. We must continue to perfect and enlarge our spiritual life. We need to keep expanding our spiritual routines through steps 10, 11, and step 12. Maintaining spiritual fitness is the work of a lifetime. Joining us today to speak about staying in a fit spiritual condition are four recovered compulsive overeaters. This morning, joins, we join with Lisa H. from Tennessee, Terry C. from New Jersey, Knessa K. from Ohio, and Sherry K.B. in California. So let's get started with our first panelist, Lisa H. Welcome, Lisa. Good morning. Thank you, Leah, for that amazing introduction. Um, Good morning, my fellows. This is Lisa H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And I'd like to begin with a prayer. Eternal reality, you're everywhere. Your infinite unity, truth, and love. You permeate our souls and every corner of the universe and beyond. To some of us, you are a father, friend, partner. 
to others, higher power, higher self, or inner self. To many of us, you are all of these and more. You are within us and we within you. We know you forgive our wrongdoings if we forgive ourselves and others. We know you protect us from destructive temptation if we continue to seek your help and guidance. We know you provide us with food and shelter today if we place our trust in you and try to do our best. Give us this day knowledge of your will for us and the power to carry it out. For yours is infinite power and love forever. Amen. Excuse me. Our topic today, like Leah mentioned, is staying in fit spiritual condition. And how do we stay in fit spiritual condition? Uh, This topic came to me because so often at the end of many special editions, someone invariably asks the speaker, what is your daily routine or practice for keeping connected with your higher power? Like many, I love to hear about how others are staying connected to God and practicing the spiritual principles of the program. The word spiritual means relating to or affecting the human spirit or soul, as opposed to material or physical things. The word spiritual is used 177 times in the big book. This I need to pay attention to. The word condition means a person's state of health or physical fitness. If I set out to get in better physical condition, it takes effort and action on my part on a daily basis. The same goes for my spiritual condition. If I had spent as much time on my spiritual condition as I have on my physical condition over the years, wow, where would I be now? Spiritual, the, the term spiritual condition is found twice on page 85 in the 10 step promises. And it says, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in alcohol. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We reacted sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do for alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are the thoughts that must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. This is the proper use of the will. And, and this is the crux of it. 
Um, I can't tell you how many times my sponsor would say to me as I was working through the steps, we can't rest on our laurels. And, and this paragraph, these are my directions. Every day is a day when I must carry God's will into all my activities. And I only have a daily reprieve. So as best I can, I focus on this day only, letting go of what is past and, and letting God take care of tomorrow. If we back up to page 83, it tells us the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. So how do we live it? Um, for me, it means finding practices that I, can, that I can use on a daily basis to connect and stay connected with my higher power. Anything I put effort into and practice gets easier over time and becomes a working part of my life and helps me to stay in fit spiritual condition. Over the last, oh, no, excuse me, over the last three plus years, I've been listening to my fellows talk about spiritual practices that work for them, and I've incorporated some of them into my life. First for me is, is prayer. Uh, in the beginning, I would literally walk around during the day praying, God, please help me just to be abstinent today. And I prayed this for weeks. Um, one Saturday, I remember I was attending a party given by someone whom I had a resentment toward. And at the time, I think I was working on step four. My sponsor said to me, pray the fear prayer. And again, for about three days, I walked around praying, God, take my fear away. Please take my fear away. And lo and behold, the day of the party came and my fear was gone. I was able to interact with this woman without fear and I would make amends to her a month or so later. Admittedly, I have had to pray the fear prayer this morning before coming on and sharing on this special edition. On the line, I heard someone say, um, and I wish I'd written down who said it, breathe God in and breathe out self. I started using this during my meditation time and took it into my yoga class and prayed it during periods of rest. I then realized that when I got anxious or impatient, it worked as well. And I can get impatient at work or just standing in the grocery line. And I, I use this breath prayer. In the last two years, I've had some, some health scares. And during the waiting period, I realized that my diseased mind wants to catastrophize to the point of thinking to myself, will I ever be able to play tennis again? or who will perform my double mastectomy. But because of this program of action, I can pause. And I'm a big acronym girl, and pause for me is pray and use spiritual energy. And repeat, breathe in God, breathe out self. And the calming effect for me is amazing. I can try to do the next right thing and leave the outcome to God. When I get irritated, and I, I, and it, which happens regularly, I use this prayer, bless them, change me, bless them, change me. Again, I'm inviting God in, and I may repeat it over and over and over. Um, certainly, if, if this resentment is still taking up thought time, I'm going to have to sit down and write out a 10-step, call a fellow, give it away, uh, get some needed feedback, and then get out of myself and help somebody else. One of my other favorite prayers is the set-aside prayer. <clears throat> God, help me to set aside everything I think I know. 
about myself, my brokenness, my spiritual path, and you for an open mind and a new experience with myself, my brokenness, my spiritual path, and especially you. When I'm faced with a new situation or a challenge, again, bringing God in to help me have an open mind and a new experience is tremendously helpful. Recently, I went to see a new dietitian because I'm getting older and I'm slowing down and I needed some input on my, on my meal plan. And being the expert of food that I am, I was sure this dietitian wouldn't be able to tell me anything I didn't already know. So I used this prayer the day of my appointment so that I would have an open mind. And I was amazed that I indeed learned a great deal and have incorporated some of these changes in my intake. I also find this prayer helpful when I'm starting to work with someone new. It helps us both to set aside what we think we know and ask God to direct our work together. Next is meditation. And meditation for me means listening for and to God in the silence. Again, for everyone, this may look a little different. I set a timer. I use the breath prayer and then try to write down what comes up during the silence. Practice and patience are the keys here for me. I have to begin my day with prayer and meditation. If not, the day is not going to go as well. I heard a fellow say, I surrender to God every morning and let him lead me through the day. This is how I must go into the day. I start my quiet time by making a gratitude list. For me, making a gratitude list makes me look at the blessings I have and not what I don't have, and it keeps me in the present moment. And only in the present moment can God be found. I use a 12-step prayer book, which, is, which has a prayer or a reading for each day of the week, and a recovery meditation book for which, um, from which I try to pull a thought or phrase that I can take with me into the day. I review the previous day and then share it with a fellow who gives me invaluable feedback. I listen to this meeting every day and often listen to a recorded meeting while doing my dinner prep. I have to connect with my sponsees, my fellows, um, and try to be of maximum service to God and those about me. I love where it says on page 60, we claim spiritual progress, not perfection because I'm human and invariably will fall down. I heard a fellow say, I have to work daily on the internal and leave the external to God. I have the opportunity every day to begin again, to consciously ask God in. God is always present for me. I I often say God is as close as my breath, but I'm the one who walks away. When I begin to rest on my laurels, and think I can do this life thing on my own. Page 87 tells us, we may not be able to determine which course to take. Here is where we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. What used to be a hunch or occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. 
Nevertheless, we will find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. I tell my sponsees often, we are not going to be inspired at all times. But if I continue to stay in the solution, to stay in the steps, and take action to keep myself unblocked from my higher power, I will continue to live in a right relationship with my creator and be less manipulated by circumstances. And it isn't in And isn't it easier to ask for guidance rather than to ask for rescue? So often today I walk around saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this new life, this new way of thinking, of being, of living, um, living in right, right relationship. What I know is that living this way is not going to change outcomes. There will still be death and hardship, joy and laughter, fear and disappointment, but living this way has changed me and continues to change me one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. That's Lisa H. from Tennessee. Our second panelist, Terry C. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Leah. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you for that introduction, and thank you, Lisa, for a very, very inspiring message, just so beautifully put, beautifully put. Um, My name is Terry C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey, and uh, I thought it would be best to talk about spiritual fitness the way I see it by talking about the way I first didn't see it. Um, Just very briefly, I've been in the rooms since 1991. Um, It wasn't, uh, for the first 18 years or so, I went to a lot of identification meetings and ran a tool-based program. And I did actually, after a few years, get honest with my food and get abstinent. However, I really didn't discover the big book or the steps until 2009. And when I discovered them, pretty much I just understood that they were in the book. And I didn't really understand how to heed the direction. I didn't realize that it wasn't just the discovery that there were steps in the book, the first few pages I had never read. I was always reading the stories. Um, But that actually uh, it was my direction for life. I just, for some reason or other, I claimed them. I didn't quote them. Um, But I claimed them and I shared them with other people. Um, But it was really the first 71 pages that I only paid attention to. And even then, they weren't really alive for me. And then in 2013, I started to hear a different message, a more complete one. Uh, For some reason, I just knew that uh, there was more to be learned. And I knew because I was pretty much living the bedevilments. And uh, the bedevilments, for those who don't know them, are in We Agnostics, and uh, they are on page 52. And I was abstinent and having trouble with personal relationships uh, in the middle of the page. Uh, I couldn't control my emotional nature. I was a prey to misery and depression. I couldn't, I maybe could make a living, but I doubt how honest I was being about it. I had a feeling of uselessness. I was full of fear. I was unhappy. And I definitely could not be of real help to other people. And this is me in the program, being abstinent. 
And I started to hear a message of what my real purpose was, what my real purpose was. And that was like a real eye-opener for me because um, self can't get out of self. I heard a speaker say that, and I thought it was pretty surreal the first time I heard it, but self can't get out of self. And what I didn't understand was that I had a purpose, and it wasn't to make myself happy every day. And on page 77, at the top of the page, I learned what it tells me that my purpose was to fit myself to be of maximum service to God and the people about me. That was quite novel for me, quite novel. And I, for some reason, I started to actually see, I, if you would have told me that earlier, I would have believed that that sounded very good, um, but I'm not sure... I'm not sure I could have actually, you know, it was a theory. I'm not sure I could go beyond that. <laughs> I'm not sure I could have gone beyond that. The book had to come alive for me. So um, for the next three years, I tried to, to pay attention to the book, but I wasn't really studying the book and the steps, and I wasn't really working them because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really doing the direction. And then two years ago, um, I knew that I was abstinent, I didn't know how honest I was about my, you know, spiritual, you know, I, I didn't even really understand the spiritual condition. I just thought I was honoring God with my program, but I was annoyed with everyone. And again, uh, I, those bedevilments were plaguing me. So I called someone and the first thing, the person who I, who I wanted to be my guide, but I was scared to death for her to be my guide because I think, I knew the truth, and the truth was I didn't know the truth. So the first thing she asked me was, what what did my step 10 and 11 look like? And that was, that was kind of the shattering of the misunderstanding that I had for such a long time. And now um, I understand kind of forward wind that um, my job is to get in position every day every day to get in position. One of my teachers of the big book talks about getting in position. And Lisa said it beautifully before. Uh, it says, you know, spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. And I know what I wasn't doing. I wasn't, I didn't really understand 10 steps. I didn't understand that when I learned four through nine, it was something to continue. I didn't understand that I was you know, every day, you know, once you do a thorough house cleaning, the idea is to keep the house clean. And I would write in my journal every day, clean house, trust God, help others. But that sounded really good. Now I really had to put, you know, the pedal to the metal and really do that. So 10-step vigilance is something that's very important to me. And the reason it's important is because, see, I still want to blame you for any mislock, you know, any, any discomfort I have in my life. So, um, and the big book tells me on page 66, I have to see that the people, the world and its people really dominate me. The bottom of 66 says, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. It's not that you do wrong to me. It's how I perceive it. You know, it's how I perceive it without looking at my own side of the street. And the 10th step tells me when I look at my own side of the street, I have to admit when I'm wrong. And it's very humbling to do that. And yet that gets me closer to God. 
because inevitably when I do a 10 step, I have to really see what would God have me be, you know, because fear underlines most of it. What would God have me be? And it's usually not behaving the way I'm behaving or usually not responding the way I'm responding. Um, and usually it's because I reacted to something instead of, you know, instead of praying, instead of doing what I need to do. And then I think the most important thing for me that has changed is understanding the 11th step. You know, the 10th step says continued. So it's progressive. It's ongoing. I have to keep doing it. The 11th step says thought. You know, I have to keep seeking. And how do I do that? Um, what I wasn't, what I was doing before and thinking it was step 11 was I wasn't doing any 10 steps because I didn't really understand that, you know, what it really meant to keep my house clean. And with the 11th step, I thought that was, I had the misunderstanding that I was, you know, kind of checking off a box at night. Oh, yep, did that. Nope, didn't do that. You know, it was very, it was just very self-serving. It was very self-serving. It wasn't about being of maximum use to anybody but me. And so today that has a totally different picture for me. You know, um, I'm going to ask you to let me read on page 28 something that's very, very important to me when I think of step 10 and 11. But it says in the middle of the uh, second or the third full paragraph, if what we have learned and felt and seen means anything at all, it means that all of us, whatever our race, creed, or color, are the children of a living creator with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms as soon as we are willing and honest enough to try. And that pretty much summarizes the way I practice step 11 today because I do have routines that are really important to me because every day I wake up and I'm still in myself, you know, it's, that's like just a natural response for me. And I have to get out of myself by getting on my knees the minute I get out of bed. And sometimes before I get out of bed saying, please clear my thinking of selfish, dishonest and self-seeking motives, which is on page 80, 86. Um, you know, I, um, I'm sorry, I think it's on 87 or 80, 85. But anyway, um, I also, I need to get on my knees. And I, for me, I, I love the third step and the seventh step prayer. And then I take little parts of this book that have, bec that have come to mean short little prayers to me. I ask your, com your protection and care with complete abandon, you know. And, and, and I ask you, help me carry the vision of your will into all my actions. Um, these are little, I find, you can find prayers throughout this book on every single page. Every single page, there's a prayer that can come alive for me. So I need to do this praying, and I need to do what it says, you know, sought through prayer and meditation. So prayer begins my day. It has to happen throughout my day. It has to happen at the end of my day. And, and you know, I have to, I, I've heard speakers say this and I do it. I put little reminders in the phone, in my phone, on my calendar, because I will forget about God. I will forget my purpose. I will forget. And there are times I don't forget. But just in case, that's really, really important to me. I read pages 84 to 88 every day because I need to remember my directions for the day. And mostly my directions are to ask God. Ask for the thoughts. Ask for the intuition, the insight. I ask for forgiveness. I ask for the right thought or action. These are all in 84 to 88, and I, I just read that every day for that reason. And then meditation. I'm 
I do try consciously to take time to meditate, and I find doing this in the morning is, is healthy for me. I will sometimes do it throughout the day, even if it's five minutes, just to get quiet. I know often when I talk to another fellow and we're talking about something, and I talk about getting quiet during the day, and I think, oh, my day is so loud. How do you get quiet? But I find when I make an effort to do this, my day is not so loud. It's not so loud. And then, you know, just the, the vigilance of throughout the day reaching out to other fellows, uh, also taking the calls and, and staying on the phone and working and studying the book with other fellows and, you know, working the steps with them, studying it with them, you know, not, not leading them to it, but studying it with them. And, uh, and I guess uh, this brings me to the part where of the book, um, you know, I I think that this book is the direction for living, right? And and I love in Bill's story. I'm gonna flip through that real quick. Try to find it. The bottom of thirteen. My friend promised when these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my Creator. I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. Belief in the power of God. Plus enough, plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. And that last line on the bottom of page 13, belief in the power of God, plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain a new order of things were the, a new order of things were the essential requirements. You know, me getting up to be on the phone with somebody to talk about this book is a new order of things. Me pausing and praying throughout the day is a new order of things. Um, you know, the other part of Bill's story I want to talk about, which is step 12 for me, on the bottom of 14. Again, I'm flipping through my book. The bottom of 14. My friend, Evie, also emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs, particularly was it imperative to work with others as he, as he had worked with me. Faith without works was dead, he said. Oh, sorry, that's my timer just to, just to give me a notice that I'm close to the end. Um, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic, for if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through, and it tells me, how to do that through work and self-sacrifice for others. He could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again, and if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would, would be dead indeed. With us, it is just like that. And I think Leah said something at the beginning of the meeting. I can't remember exactly what she quoted, but the idea is we have to practice this self-sacrifice and this work with others and this willingness to have the constant thought of others and how we may meet their needs, not just in the end. I have to do that with my family. I have to do that with every person, place, and thing I come in contact with. That is how I have to get in position, and it's not easy. I would love to tell you that I now work the steps, and every day I am ready to constantly think of others. I have to do the things that I do so that I will get to that. And I know that I will be doing this for the rest of my life. And today I want to, not that I must, not that I ought to, but I, I must and I want to. Because I realize that God is real to me today. He's real. When I write, I, I forgot to mention I write a letter to God every day. And the reason I write that letter 
is to communicate with him, to be in communion with him. And God is real to me today. He's so real to me. And, and the meaning of real is existing or happening as or in fact, actual, true, objectively so, not merely or seeming or pretended or imagined. God is so real to me. He's so real. And on page 55, again, going through my book, page 55, we finally saw that faith in some kind of God was part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. He was as much a fact as we were. We found this great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It was so with us. It is so with me. Every day I need to tap into the source. Every day. He's real and I need to tap into him. And I do a myriad of things to do that. I hope I have conveyed what those things are. But mostly, I hope I've conveyed that God is inside of each one of us. And this book is telling us to have that spiritual awakening, to tap into him every day, to give out what he so freely gives to me so that he can fill it back in. So he can fill me with his, his unremitted grace and love. And um, with that, I will pass. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Terry C. And panelist number three, Knessa K. from Ohio. Good morning, Leah, and thank you. Um, two tough acts to follow. So thank you so much. So nice to hear. Um, my name is Knessa K. I'm recovered in Ohio just for today for these 24 hours. And um, I haven't been on the line too many times, so I want to just give a brief qualification that my abstinent date is July 11th of last year, and um, so I'm still new to this. I'm still trying to figure this out as I go. Um, and, you know, my joke was that I was, for years, was that I was 10 pounds on the nose when I was born and that I was still trying to lose it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have to say that joke anymore. I don't have to um, make fun of myself anymore. And um, so thank you. It just tears me up from the bottom of my heart, just even being able to say that. Um, recently, I had a conversation with a friend of mine at work, and um, she is not a 12-stepper, and she does not know that I am. She just knows that I've lost weight, but she's a very much of a spiritual person. And I went up to her, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm struggling. I, I've had a a pretty tough situation that I've been going through this year. And um, I said, I'm struggling because I feel like I'm being tested by some of these problems. And she said, and I said, you know, when I'm tested, I, my conceptualization of God changes and she's pretty deep. So I can have these conversations with her. And she said, well, Knessa, um, we are tested in this life, but it's not God who tests us. It's a lower power that tests us. And that just hit me in between the eyes. I, I still can't believe she said it because I don't think she's familiar with the concept of a higher power that we call in our program. Now, I do call my higher power God. And when she said that, I, I spent a couple of days praying and meditating over the words lower power. And when she said that, Later, two or three days later, I was in meditation, and of course, I realized that the lower power is my mind. 
It's the disease of compulsive overeating. It's the obsession of the mind and very separate from the allergy of the body. Um, this lower power will drag me down after I inject those alcoholic foods. And so when I was blessed last year to put those foods down, I could start to quiet that lower power. I'm so grateful for that. So what I thought I would do today is just tell you what my routine is because I'm still so new to this that um, I've got things I do really well and I've got things I don't do well. Um, but my, my routine is, is solid and in the mornings. And so I thought that may be of hope to someone else on how I stay in fit spiritual condition. I go off the big book just in one way that I can think of, but I'm sure I do it in a lot of different ways and don't know it. I suffer from some attention and mem memory problems. I'm 49 and I'm still very young, um, but those are significant issues for me that I have to deal with. And so rather than go straight to prayer when I first wake in the morning, I get on the elliptical. I'm not a compulsive exerciser, but I do it every day. And it's just a, a means that I do to keep my mind awake. And I thought, even though that's not a part of the big book, that may be of help to someone. And someone shared with me a few months ago, move a muscle, change a thought, be of service. He said it on the line. And that's just one of the things that I do. After I get up, I only do it 30 minutes. I go um, to the room where I uh, do my morning routine and I start with four daily devotionals. And what blows me away about reading those devotionals is that they always seem to hit me exactly where I am. God always meets me. The program always meets me wherever I am, what problem, whatever problem I have at the moment. And I always finish with the little black book from the AA program of 24 hours a day. I'm not an alcoholic, but of course I do have an alcoholic mind. And so I find that the very direct verbiage in that book is just kind of a nice way to end that. After I do the devotionals, I go straight into prayer. And I'm very deliberate that I say the same prayers every single morning, and I say them in the same order. And I do this because of the permanence of repetition that you taught me. You guys taught me on the line. But the morning I heard that, it was very clear to me that it's no different than the way I do my job or the way I keep my house straightened up or pay my bills every month. The permanence of repetition in the same actions of my spiritual routine are equally as important. So I start with the morning prayer on page 86, and it says, God, direct my thinking today so that it be divorced of self-pity, dishonesty, self-will, self-seeking, and fear. It goes on to say later in the page, guide me through this day and show me my next step. A little further up, I missed, help me to relax and take it easy. You know, I can often be a human, be human doing and not a human being. Um, and so I have to read that every single morning. Help me to relax and take it easy. Some of you may be able to relate. Um, where I am in my life right now is that, you know, I have two young children, 11 and 13. My husband and I both work full time. And um, we care for my 80-year-old mother, um, just the two of us. There's no other living family members here to help. And um, it is a lot, and so I have to remember every single day to relax and take it easy with his help. I moved to the first step prayer, 
pages 10 through 12. God, creative intelligence, universal mind, spirit of nature. My name is Kinesa, and I am a real compulsive eater. And the most important line of this prayer for me, I need your help today. I have to start every morning by saying, I need your help today. I move to step two, page 59. Every morning I have to say, I am standing at the turning point right now. God, I'm standing at the turning point right now because every day is a turning point. Will I turn to my higher power or will I turn to my lower power? So I do say the second step prayer every day. Of course, everybody's favorite, I think, the third step prayer on page 63. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Most importantly to me in this prayer, God, take away my difficulties. The victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power. And of course, it goes on. I move every morning to step six. six. Step six and seven are by far my favorite. Page 76. God, help me to become willing to let go of all the things I still cling because I still want to cling on to my old behaviors. I'm still so new to this that I want to go back to my lower power and my thinking. I have to ask every day to let it go. On step seven, page 13, um, I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly under his care, again, just asking for his care and direction. I moved to step the 10-step prayer, page 84 and 85. Of course, God removed the selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear, anything that's cropped up in my life at the moment. And I finished with the, I finish every morning with the um, serenity prayer. A friend in the program who I heard on a special edition recently talked about affirmations. And those really spoke to me. And after a special edition, I reached out to him and spoke to him. And he said, I think you should start just reading the Just for Today affirmations, you know, with your routine. Just start doing that. And my favorite one, and this, of course, can be found in our OA literature, is the second one that says, just for today, I will be happy. Um, I have to choose every day to be happy. And I have to say it out loud. Um, I have many personal affirmations that I say that he helped me create. but one of them that I particularly love is that God will give me the strength to deal with whatever life brings, including situations with my mother, my children, my husband, my work, my thoughts, um, any calamity um, can be met with serenity. If I continue to say, say these affirmations, these prayer and prayers and do these, to do this work. And then I meditate and this is my favorite part of the day. Um, I have so much life coming at me throughout the day, as I know all of you, that I need the meditation. Um, several years ago, I was being sponsored by a friend who said, Knessa, I don't hear any stillness in your voice. And there was something about the way she said it that I thought, I need to start this. And so she taught me how to, um, just over the phone, just gave me a couple of tricks and by the grace of God, I was able to have the willingness to sit down and start. And to me, meditation is one of the most beautiful things that we can ever do. Um, when I sit down, my my mind is like a medit is is like a, a lottery ball for Mega Millions. It's a clear, large ball with a hundred balls with numbers flying all over that can be 
metaphorically thought of as my mind. And the goal in meditation for me is not only to connect with my higher power, but to be able to hear his wish for me. And when I'm in stillness, those numbers in that ball, when they hit the button, will fall into order that will give someone the winning combination of that lottery. And that's what meditation does. When I sit in stillness with my higher power, those thoughts and actions and priorities and the help I need to give someone else fall into place so that I can go about my day. Be forever grateful that I learned how to do that. Um, after that, um, I kind of, you know, get up and get ready and get my family out of bed and ready for school. But I'm on the call every day, Monday through Friday and Sunday with you. I listen to it live. It's very rare that I listen to it recorded. I'm either on a plane or on vacation if I'm listening to it recorded. I'm live live every day. And after I finish that call, I transition into driving to work. And on my way to work, I talk to a fellow um, and, and friend who we go through our gratitudes every morning. And I get to say those out loud and talk about whatever's keeping real estate in my head. And that helps direct me to, um, you know, if there's an amends I need to make or something I need to do, um, an action that I need to take. And recently um, it came to me that I needed to do some work uh, regarding, you know, a particular family member and, and went back and started doing the work as a result of hearing the repetitive behavior of the real estate that this was taking up in my head. Even though I had done numerous tent steps on it, there was bigger work to be done. And I went, I went back to that. After I start my day at work, um, my routine is not as rigid as it is in the morning. And I'm still working this out. Um, I've tried a lot of different things throughout the workday to stay in spiritual, spiritual condition as I do in the evening. Um, I've tried taking a 10 step or two during the workday, and I have found that uh, with my memory issues and attention issues, it's hard to transition back into work. Um, and so I, I, I ping pong a little bit throughout the day. And I try every day to call a fellow on my way home from work, a friend, someone in my tribe, just to see how you're doing or um, just to stay in touch with you and the program with God. And of course, you know, for those of us who have children at home, the minute I get home, we're, we're going to volleyball, we're going to dance, we're talking about homework, we're getting the meal on the table, my husband and I are passing each other on the street. Um, so sometimes, you know, I'll talk to a sponsee in the car sitting in the dance parking lot. Um, I've done that numerous times. Um, and my sponsees are always so nice to be able to just do it, you know, when to work out a time that works for both of us. I am sponsored um, and I'm actively working, working the steps. Um, you know, a friend told me that it's important to not only talk about what works, but also what I'm working on, <laughs> what I, how I continue to evolve my spiritual practice so that I can stay in touch with my higher power. I'm going to wrap up by, you know, this, um, this story and I've said it on the line before, but I'll, I'll uh, say it again because I think it's such a nice way to end. Um, there's a story about a two or three-year-old boy who um, had just been blessed with the gift of an infant brother. And he went to his parents and he said, I want to talk to him by myself. And he went into the room and he said to his little baby brother, who was just one or two days old, 
while his parents were listening outside the door. Tell me where you came from. I'm starting to forget. And it just chokes me up because I had forgotten. And you guys helped me remember. So thank you. Thank you for the bottom of my heart. I get up every day and I'm in a clothing size I never thought I would see. I work through problems that are challenging without blowing up the way I used to. I have you to fall back on. I have a higher power who I have such a wonderful relationship with. And I just thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'll pass. Thank you very much, Knessa Kay. Our fourth panelist this morning, Sherry KB from California. Good morning, Leah. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. It's Sherry KB in Northern California. Um, very grateful to uh, recovering compulsive reader recovered, and grateful to be on this line and share with all these panelists. And I'm just really honored to be here. Um, love all the shares that have happened this morning. Um, I'd like to begin with just talking about, um, you know, what it's like to stay in fit spiritual condition on a daily basis. And I know how personal it is and individual experience it can be for all of us. And and yet there's still the basic things that we can uh, stay spiritually fit with by using the directions in the big book, uh, by working the steps. Um, but I do know it's, it's uh, so important that this experience is something that's so wonderful and it shouldn't be missed. Um, for me, having a personal relationship with God is the most important relationship I can have because by cultivating and nurturing and focusing on this relationship with God, God turns and shows me how to have the better relationships with the people about me and my loved ones. Uh, so when I'm trying to have relationships with the people about me and my loved ones without God's help, um, and if I try to do it alone without my higher power, it means that I'm back and running the Sherry Show uh, again, and it's pretty. It can be pretty messy. And uh, not only do I jeopardize my absence, but I jeopardize my sanity as well. And I have to learn that I, that I've learned that I can't have sanity unless I'm abstinent. Um, so my abstinent has to come first. Um, my self-will and self-reliance usually will take over. Uh, that's running the Sherry Show, uh, kind of the voice of my disease and. I don't know if you remember uh, Ed Sullivan when he used to say it's a really big shoe, and uh, I'm a, I could be a really big mess if I'm not in staying in fit spiritual condition on a daily basis. Um, you know, we hear on the line about the buildup of human emotion and how um, that will drive us right back into the food, and that is why I have to do the steps daily and get on my knees day and night and ask God, and thank God for keeping me abstinent God's way. Uh, not my way and not your way, but God's way. Um, I say the third step prayer and other prayers and mantras. I meditate about 30 minutes a day. Uh, pr I prefer mornings, but um, I also have to remember life on life's terms. And so I make sure that I get my meditation in every day regardless uh, what day or time it is. And uh, that's a promise I've made to myself and my higher power. Um, sometimes I actually do a sleeping meditation. Um, if I, if because if I don't meditate every day, I'm crossing a line that could be very dangerous for me, and I know it. Um, I also need to, uh, you know, I do steps ten, uh, ten steps, but I also know I need to do uh, more ten steps. Um, 
I do um, belong to a, um, a text and chat group um, as well as a 11-step uh, train. And I'm so grateful for the people who started all these groups and um, to be of service to all of us. Um, and if a particular thing keeps coming up in my 10 steps, then I know what I need to do is sit down and write it out with my higher power. Um, and then I also work uh, three parts of step 11 uh, in the morning and during the day and throughout the day. And I pause. And um, I agree with uh, Lisa H. Um, not only pray and use spiritual energy, but also pray and use step 11. Um, if I'm having a tough day, um, wherever I am, out and about in the world, um, I make sure that I get myself back on my knees and ask God to help me to please remove my restlessness, my irritability, my discontent, my anger, my fear, my doubt, you know, my insecurity, my worry, or my anxiety, or resentment, or my selfishness and dishonesty, or my self-seeking. And, you know, there's so many bathrooms out there when you're out in the world um, that I found that I can use, um, and I make sure um, I can be in private. And I always thank God from the bottom of my heart that I know God better. Um, that is my favorite prayer in the big book. Um, it's also known as the quiet uh, prayer. And it's right after step five, and it's on page 75, paragraph three. And it says, returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. And I always know that... Um, when I think about returning home, I think it's returning home to self, the person that God intended me to be. Um, I know that I can always improve on um, my outreach calls and asking for help. Um, I, too, listen to the meetings every day on A Vision for You, uh, live or recorded. Um, I call newcomers. I take 10 steps. And I always make sure I call at least two people a day. Um, I don't count um, incoming calls. Um, that I get, so my two calls a day are uh, my requirement of, I make of myself. And I found that the closer I stick to my higher power, the more healthier I become. Uh, by loving, accepting my higher power and feeling love for my higher power, I've been learning to love and respect and accept myself more flaws and all. Um, and, and I see so much more opening to see the things that, you know, I need to work on and uh, to repair. And, you know, I'm not beating myself up anymore for when I see these flaws that need to be worked on. Um, and I do feel more self-love and self-compassion and self-respect. Um, and this reminds me of 6 and 7, uh, which keeps my mind and heart open to what um, I want to continue and always grow. And I, too, like bless, bless them, change me. I also say bless them, change me, bless them, heal me. And another thing that I use when I'm out in the world is um, when somebody sneezes. Every time, I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of people sneeze out in the world. And whenever they sneeze, I always go, bless you, change me. Bless you, heal me. Um, and for me, it's a spiritual experience to be a step guide. Um, it's a major part of me staying in fit spiritual condition. Um, I get so much more than I give when I'm working in the big book with a protege. And I was taught a long time ago that I need them as much as they need me. And I believe that there's a mutual respect between me and the people I work with because I work very hard at getting them to rely 100% on their higher power and not on me. And I always tell them, you know, that their full reliance needs to be on 
on your higher power, the language of your own heart, and that you can get support from me, your fellows, from your meetings, but your full reliance always needs to be on a higher power. Um, I believe that that's the best gift that I can give um, as a step guide to my protege is that to remind them that full reliance needs to be on their higher power. And that my job is to help them get unblocked by getting them into the book, um, by getting uh, help, helping them work the steps and get unblocked and get connected. Um, and that, you know, so that their higher power can remove the mental obsession because they can't, and I surely can't, only God can. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, today after this meeting, I'm going to be listening to a fifth step. And um, on a personal note, um, I started this last September. Um, I mark my calendar ahead for each month at the last Saturday of the month, and I take the entire day devoting it to my higher power. Whatever time I wake up until about 6 p.m., I spend the entire day with my higher power, however it looks. I don't wear a watch. I don't set an alarm. Most of the electronic devices are turned off and excluding um, listening to a meditation or working um, or listening to a spiritual podcast on my iPhone. Um, I don't drive, and I only walk. I, I don't answer the phone. I always let my family and friends and fellows and protégés know ahead that I'm not going to be available until after 6.30. Um, if they ask me, you know, what am I doing, I tell them I'm on a silent retreat and unable to talk or even respond to texts until 6.30. So when I wake up, whatever Whenever I wake up, sometimes it's early, sometimes it's late. Uh, whatever time I open my eyes, and I let God wake me up. Uh, I spend it in silence and alone with my higher power and ask for direction of how to spend this day. Um, I feel spiritually led to the next right thought and the next right action. I always include my daily routine of getting on my knees, praying and meditating and reading and writing. Uh, during this time with my higher power so far, I've been led to meditate for two and a half hours at a time. Uh, and usually my daily uh, writing uh, is normally around three pages. And usually on this day, I've written up to 20 pages. Um, I've taken naps, which I normally don't do. Um, I've been led to read some spiritual books that I've not read before or listen to a talk. I've taken several hours to listen to something or read something that I haven't, that's hard. Um, time wrapping my brain around and probably because my disease doesn't want me to understand because it brings me um, brings my will closer to, my, to alignment with my higher power and I believe that is the proper use of the will and we talk about that on page 85 um, let me get to that um, every day is the day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities how can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are the thoughts which go with us constantly. We exercise our willpower along these lines. All we wish. That is the proper use of the will. Um, so um, I also um, can do a, do a tub meditation. Um, I'll take my dog for a walk down to the Lambrus where, uh, near my home, and we'll walk it together and um, or we walk um, by the bay and we'll sit and uh, sit on a bench and face the bay and meditate on the water. And sometimes I feel uh, that I need to clean out something in my home. Um, it's amazing. Um, I've come to cherish this time with my higher power, and it's very powerful, and I feel a sense of my mind and heart opening more and more on a deeper level with my experience of spending the day with my higher power through the month. 
I can get flooded with all sorts of spiritual insights and spiritual awarenesses. Um, and I love the definition of, uh, of, of inspiration. Um, let me see here. I have it right here. Um, knowledge, insight, wisdom, direction, guidance on the level of being influenced by a higher or divine power, divine influence upon human beings, providing knowledge, wisdom, or power, insight, and motivation. Um, I call this my spiritual candy because it's so sweet and it's so good for me, and it, it lasts and it only gets better and better. Um, you know, when things are not going my way and I want them to be going, the way I want them to go. I, I've learned to wait in God's waiting room. Um, and there's such a difference waiting in God's waiting room versus the Sherry Show. And when I'm waiting in God's waiting room, I feel soft surroundings and sweet music playing, and I feel spiritually fed. I'm nice and warm and cozy, and I feel nurtured and comforted, and I feel God's love blanketing me, holding me while I wait there in God's waiting room. Or I can choose to wait in the Sherry Show, uh, along with my disease, what's usually is lurking and lying in wait, where it's dark and gloomy, creepy and s stressful, freezing cold, messy, no warmth, it's lonely and isolating, and I'm miserable, and there's no nourishment for my soul. Uh, because of this special day I've set aside to spend with my higher power uh, mindfully, without distractions, that's why the set of said prayer is so important to me. And as it was said before, um, and what I love about the set-aside prayer um, is that, um, you know, I can fine-tune it any way, but the basic is that, um, you know, God, please set aside everything I think I know about myself, my brokenness, my spiritual path, and you for an open mind, and I say in for an open heart and a new experience with myself, my brokenness, my spiritual path, and especially you, God. Um, and I just feel like, you know, by doing this prayer, I feel like I'm peeling a layer of, of an artichoke and I'm getting to the heart of things in my life. Um, and I absolutely do trust God no matter what it looks like. I do trust God no matter how long it takes. And I do trust God that I'm going to be okay no matter what. And I just thank God for God. Um, and I would just like to also talk about the, I've got about a minute, about we agnostics. Um, you know, I was told that uh, when you break down we agnost um, agnostics, it means gnostic means knowledge, and ag means without, so without knowledge. So I was told that this chapter is not to prove that there is God, but to prove He exists and can have. I can have a personal relationship with this higher power who cares about me and my disease and wants to heal me. Uh, that what goes on between my ears, and I can find ease and comfort in God's care. And God does solve all my problems. Um, and uh, also I was going to talk about uh, prayer for freedom from resentment, but I've ran out of time, and I'm so grateful. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you, Sherry KB. Thank you to our four panelists for sharing so very beautifully this morning. We will now transition to a question-answer segment. You can pose your questions to our panelists by pressing star 1 to unmute. 
Give your name and first letter your last name, please. Connie C. Connie. Gina R. Gina R. Kathy K. Kathy K. Your voice is quite low, Kathy K, by the way. Anyone else? Great opportunity to post questions. Star one done mute to do so. Sarah Grace M. Sarah Grace. Who was before Sarah Grace, please? Eli. Eli R. Great. Okay. Bigamy G. Signy G? Yes. Okay. That's a great group. Everybody, please mute, except for Connie C. Hi, this is Connie C. in Tennessee, and I'm so grateful to everyone that shared this morning. And um, as God would have it, just before the meeting started, I'd finished my meditation and um, had written in my journal, what if I only took God and my commitments as I do to like yesterday with exercise. And I was thinking, what if my goal every day was 10,000 steps with God, my higher power? I came um, into OA 23 years ago, um, relapsed four days uh, before the one-year mark. And um, what I've realized by listening to Vision in the last couple of months, and I've just got about that much, just not even quite there, of um, abstinence is I had made everything else my God for all those years, sponsors, uh, nutritionists, you name it, uh, treatment centers. But now in this way of being as close to God, my question that I would give to any of these, of these people, um, these very generous people this morning is, um, you know, I might, I stay on that fine line of knowing one slide loses what I've been trying to get back to for 22 years. And this morning, our life took a sharp turn about something that's going to impact us a lot over the next couple of weeks. So my question is, for someone who's been a chronic relapser, um, really making God in the right place first time through the, blue, through the big book, what um, might you have to say to that? Because I am hunkering down and would love any support or wisdom that someone could share. Thank you so much for all that y'all do here on Vision, and I'll pass. Thank you, Connie. Two panelists come forward to respond, please. Hi, this is Terry C. Yes, go ahead, Terry. Um, Thank you, Connie. I, I I think if I caught all of that, what my mind kept going back to is page 53. And for me, I know that I have to involve God in everything. I have to involve him in every decision, every deliberation, every joy, every trouble, every confusion, um, every satisfaction. And so when I look on page 53, it just always tells me whatever life brings me, wherever I'm at, whether it's, you know, my abstinence that's a challenge, a job is a challenge, a life situation is a challenge. 
crushed by a self-imposed crisis. We could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face the proposition. Every day I have to face the proposition that God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? That just lays wide open for me every in any dilemma or any situation or every day that I deal with. So I don't know if that's applicable to what you're talking about, but for me, it's applicable to everything I talk about. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Hi, this Hunter. is Sherry. Yes, go ahead, Sherry. Um, page 381. I love re- reading the stories. Um, paragraph 4. I have no control over some things that happen in my life, but with the help of God, I can now choose how I will respond. Um, and as what was said before, God is everything or God he isn't. God has got to be in every nook and cranny in our lives. Um, you know, to me, God is like air. Um, I've learned that if I turn my will in my life, I ask God to please comfort me in my discomfort. Um, you know, I'm an addict, and so I'm addicted to ease and comfort, and especially when something doesn't go well. Um, the first thing I've learned to turn to is to God and ask God to guide me and direct me and comfort me in my discomfort. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Thanks. Connie C. for the question. Gina R., your turn, please. Good morning. Thank you, Leah, for your continued and loving service. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Green Valley, Arizona. I'd like to address Sherry KB. And Sherry, I I don't think I've ever heard um, somebody use the analogy of the artichoke before. And I am going to sit and meditate with that because you know, there's some thorns on that artichoke and there's some thistle in there and it's kind of the whole package. So I really love that you offered that. Thank you. But if you could, would you just give us a few minutes of what you weren't able to present on resentments? I would love to hear that. Thank you. Thanks, Gina. Um, Well, you know, we have the sick man's prayer. Um, And then I have, um, which is, you know, for resentments, um, but I also have a prayer that's part of it that I call it when I'm really pissed off. And I call it a uh, prayer for freedom from resentment. Um, and I say, God, and I insert the person's name. So-and-so is, like me, a spiritually sick person. Please help me to show this person tolerance, compassion, and patience. And then I remind myself, remember, love, patience, and tolerance is my code. Please release me from being angry. Enable me to stop clinging to this resentment. Remove this resentment. Show me how to take a kindly and tolerant view of so-and-so. Bring me to an attitude of acceptance of reality. Show me how I can be helpful to so-and-so. Thy will be done. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much, Gina R. Kathy Kay. Uh, Thank you, Leah, for your service, and thank you to all the panelists. This is Kathy Kay in Boston, and I would like to hear you um, elaborate on how you work with new sponsees. I have often felt um, that there's a pretty strong resistance to setting aside time for prayer and meditation until we get um, to the 10th and 11th steps, and yet if the purpose of this book is to help us find a relationship with God, somehow I feel like 
um, I need to start um, encouraging that from day one. So I just wondered how you work with your sponsees prior to step 10 to uh, get them to start focusing on quiet time and meditation and so on. Lisa H. Go right ahead, Lisa. Um, thank you. Thank you, Kathy, um, for your question. You know, I guess I look back and when I got started um, and I thought, you know, in my, in my life before recovery, that I had a pretty good relationship with my higher power. Um, but it changed dramatically when I was able to get abstinent and stay abstinent and be clear-headed. Um, but I knew for me from the very beginning um, that I had to at least try to get connected with, with my God. Um, and so um, with my sponsees, um, I'll often, you know, uh, we will be reading the big book, but, but I often talk about um, when we get to, when we, kind of when we get to step three, when we're talking about that, how can I begin to um, connect with my higher power? How can I begin? So beginning for me, I have a sponsee that I just said, if we just say the set-aside prayer every day, you know, to set aside everything we think we know for a new experience because, uh, and we're working toward that, you know, we're, we're going to clean up, we're going to clean up the past. We're going to trust God. Um, or it may just be an affirmation. Um, and I, and I'm sharing with one of my sponsees, um, who's fairly new. And she said, every day I just say, thank you that I, that I've found this program. Thank you that I have found, um, something that works. You know, something as simple as that, um, to me, um, a, a mantra or an affirmation or a prayer um, it is helpful to at least to help, um, to help us get started. Um, those prayers, of course, they're in the big book. Um, they change and grow over time, I think. Um, but the more we're prayerful, the more we can sit maybe in silence, um, the greater, I think, the greater opportunity we have to listen to what God wants for us. Thanks. Thank, Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, Kathy Kay. Hi, this is Sherry. I can like to share on this. All right. Sherry, go ahead. Okay. Um, there's a couple of things that come to mind. Um, usually, um, you know, it's about identifying in. So I ask the person if they've ever, what kind of relationship they do have with their higher power that it's, you know, a spiritual relationship, not a, you know, religious one I'm asking about. Um, and then um, I have them read different things in the book, uh, like, for example, on page um, uh, 181 um, uh, on the second paragraph, it says, if you think you're atheist or agnostic or skeptic or have any form of intellectual pride which keeps you from accepting what is in this book, I feel sorry for you. If you think you are strong enough to beat the game alone, that is your affair. But if you really and truly want to quit drinking liquor for good and all sincerely feel that you must have some help, we know we have an answer for you. It never fails. If you go about it with one half the zeal, you have been in the habit of showing when you are getting another drink. Your Heavenly Father will never let you down. And usually I ask them to read that with me and to place in there whatever the name of their higher power is. Mm. I, I also suggest page 287 
um, which I won't go into along, but you can look at it on page 287. It starts with the idea of religion and spirituality, um, and it goes up to page 288. And then I have four questions that I send them that help helps them open up, um, which is, what do I actually believe? First, I ask them to read the questions and to read it for a few days and not to answer them for about three days, but to write them out. And these are the four questions. What do I actually believe about God? And then you write down honestly what you believe about God, not what you've been told. How do I behave in the light of what I believe I believe about God? And then what qualities or attributes do I need my higher power to have? Given where I am in my life today, what qualities or attributes do I need my higher power to have? Um, and the fourth one is, what name or word or phrase that specifies that relationship of my heart yearns for? And then I usually tell them to go to page two, uh, 62 and 63 uh, because there's five different relationship names for a higher power. And I ask them to come up with the name of their higher power so that we can move on with the work and uh, that way it's the language of their own heart. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Thanks, Kathy K. For the question, before we proceed, share ID for this presentation, by the way, 11835. That's 11835 for this presentation. Next question, Eli R. Star 1 on mute. Hi, this is Eli of Compulsive, a recovering compulsive overeater from New York. Can you hear me? I hear you, Eli. Go right ahead. Okay, thank you for the, all the inspirational shares from the panelists. What I would like any of the panelists to speak about a little bit is consistency. And when I talk about when I say consistency, I'm referring to my greatest challenge in working a fit spiritual program is that uh, meditation, prayer, and all these wonderful actions work beautifully to stay in a fit spiritual condition. However, in my experience, there's always a time, whether it's 30 days into my fit spiritual condition, or 60 days, or five days, it will make a difference. Where, where life happens, when I say life happens, I'm talking about circumstances in life, whatever it may be. It makes no difference for every person. It comes in different ways, in different shapes, different forms. When, when it happens, it takes away my energy and my ability, so to speak, to actually take the actions that I need to take to stay in spiritual condition because I'm simply washed out emotionally. I can't get to a place where I could actually do the actions I need to take. So that has been my greatest challenge throughout being in the program, and I still haven't found a solution just being consistent even during those times. And I'd like to hear any of the panelists speak about that. Thank you. Thank you, Knessa, Eli. Knessa, go ahead. Hi, Eli. Um, you know, I, I, I get it. <laughs> I, I think what comes to mind is the 10th step. Um, you know, and just as you said, like, anything can come at us at any time. Um, I, I really relate to this question because I just had one of those things come at me on Friday. 
Um, and I, I think it's the 10th step. I think it, it boils down to the willingness to work that step because for me, I want to return to that lower power of my disease um, when calamity strikes. But serenity meets at the 10th step when we reach out to a fellow. And, you know, recently I reached out to someone and she directed me to page 67 that we cannot be of help to all people. And that was a profound awakening that re-energized me after I heard that. And I think that the 10th step takes a lot of practice. Um, and, and I'm certainly still working at it. Um, I'm still so new to this. I mean, that is definitely an area where I'm continuing to improve. But to give yourself the willingness and the ability to reach out for the words somebody else may say and to say the set-aside prayer before you even call somebody, because so often than not, when I'm in that place, I think that I know what the answer is going to be. But more often than not, somebody shares something with me about the situation that brings me back to the state of neutrality. And then when I reach neutrality, the energy may not be there, but this goes right back to what I learned, you know, I think I mentioned this morning about the permanence of repetition. All of these things have to be repetitive behaviors because we are trying to learn different ways of doing things. And so I think it's for me, when I'm in the place where you are, it starts with the, you know, saying the set aside prayer, reaching out to somebody, being open-minded enough that somebody else may be hearing the word that I'm not. And then, um, I mean, I've been gifted with the, you know, the gift of persistence, but just getting up and doing it again. Uh, that's all I've got. Thank you, Knessa. Would another panelist like to address that question as well? Terry C. Go ahead, Terry. Hi, Eli. Um, I, I kind of building on what Kanessa said, um, I really think that that's exactly what our 10th, 11th, and 12th step is trying to teach us. Um, I think our speaker last Sunday said that 10, 11, and 12 have uh, keep us right with ourselves, God, and others. And uh, to me, the calamity that happens in life happens usually, you know, with others. And, and, and getting right, you know, not being right with ourselves and not being right with God. And so building on that 10-step idea, um, which, you know, it continued. It means even when the world's falling down around us, we have to continue to look at our side of the street. We have to continue to trust God, even though, you know, the world's falling down around us. We have to get out of ourselves by helping someone else if we can. So I, I understand what you mean, that the consistency um, is a challenge when our life isn't going the way we planned it. However, I think that's when what I've learned with, the, with these steps is kicking those into gear. And, and I agree with what was said, too, about, you know, um, we have to practice this routinely so that it becomes, you know, part of our makeup, part of our day, part of our needs, you know, my need for prayer. Um, 
the question that was asked before yours was about meditation and, and helping people, you know, understand that. I can only share with people what I do, and praying is a very big part of my life because I have to remember that God is the answer. So um, I know it seems theoretical, but as I said, and, and several of us said this morning, we have to live the theory, and the theory tells us to get right with God, get right with others, get right with ourselves, and I believe 10 and 11 and 12 have that direction for us regardless of the circumstances and particularly when the circumstances aren't as uh, smooth as we'd like them to be. I hope that's helpful. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Eli, for the question. Now, Sarah Grace M., your turn. Star one nine. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, and a million thank you to the panel and to you for um, guiding this meeting today, and thank you to everybody on Visions. I recently started listening to Visions meeting, and I did return to OA um, more for the spiritual for spiritual growth, though I have a spiritual life, but for spiritual growth, my food is clean. And this is kind of a twofold question. How, how do I come back um, and be a newcomer? And at the same time, I've had a lot of experience. I got into program in 1988. I've worked through the steps um, through the big book several times, and the last time was about four years ago with a um, recovered, recovered sponsor. However, I really feel like I need to do it again because I have um, not been, been attending meetings. And um, uh, so I'm wondering how I kind of put those things together and um, make it work because I also want to come back with some innocence. The other question is, how do I find a sponsor who's willing to um, work the steps with me when so many people are looking to help newcomers? And I understand that. Um, so it's kind of a twofold question. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah Grace. Who would like to address these questions? I would. Uh, this is Sherry. Hey, Sherry. Go ahead. Thanks. Uh, thanks for your question, Grace. Um, you know, I, I've been around the rooms a long time myself, and when I got a step guide, um, started going through the book with her, I realized I really knew more than her. But, you know, n knowledge availed me nothing. Um, what I had to do is ask myself if I was willing to be teachable and not show how much I knew because knowing, having knowledge doesn't mean anything unless you put it into practice. So for me, I had to ask myself to, to will, I, am I be, will I be teachable, had to stay teachable. And um, there are a lot of us who, who are in OA and part of vision, which is part of OA, not apart from, um, that have had a lot of people they take through that have been around for many, many years. So you're not alone. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Thanks, Sarah Grace, for your question. And our final question for today comes from Cygna G. Star one to unmute.
Um, hi, this is Signe G, gratefully recovered in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, I just can't say uh, how grateful I am to be here with all of you this morning. And the question that came to mind um, as everyone was sharing, you know, we're, we're trying so hard here to bring our will, you know, in line with God's will for us. And sometimes there are moments in life when we are looking very carefully for that discernment of what is our will and what is God's will. And I don't know about y'all, but my, my will and my diseased mind can often do a really great impression um, of God's will. So I'm wondering if any of you could speak to this idea of when we are facing something difficult in life and perhaps really struggling to know what God's will is in that situation, how do we know when we're hearing God's will and when we're just hearing our, hearing our own voice? Um, and thank you so much for all your service, ladies. Lisa H. Thank you, Lisa. Um, thank you for the question. What occurred to me was something that happened um, not too long ago. And in terms of um, was it my will or was I listening to God's will, um, I think that a lot of times if it's, if it's Lisa's will, then my mind is running and I'm trying to arrange things and fix things and project things. Um, and, and if it's God's will, it's more calm, you know, um, I can, I can listen and, and do the next right thing. Um, an example is, um, when I had someone ask me to do, um, a rather large, uh, volunteer job and, and I have a part-time job, um, already. And I literally woke up at two o'clock in the morning and I'm trying to figure out how I can rearrange my day. How can I change this and change that? At 2 o'clock in the morning, thinking, all of a sudden it was like, uh, this is not God's will for me. It just isn't. Um, and the other, you know, I have another volunteer obligation um, that's pretty significant. And it feels right. It feels that that's what God is calling me to do. Um, and I don't, I'm not running, I'm not running around like a crazy person. So I sort of can distinguish between my will and God's will in that way. If my mind is racing and running and I'm trying to organize and direct everything, that's Lisa's will. That's not God's will. But if I, if I, if it's something that occurs to me, um, that feels right, that is, um, to me, relaxing, taking it easy, um, that to me is much more um, God directing me. I hope that makes sense. Thank you very much, Lisa, for the response. Thank you, Signe G, for the question. Thanks to everybody who asked questions this morning. And, of course, thank you to our four panelists, Lisa H. from Tennessee, Terry C. from New Jersey, Knessa K., from Ohio and Sherry KB from California. Thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope on staying in fit spiritual condition with all of us. Let's close now. Page 164, you'll find it in your text in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive, only we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.